0: To the Amber Data Derivatives Podcast. I'm here with Mario Lozada. He is the co-founder and the CEO of PowerTrade, a crypto options exchange. Mario, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, fantastic to uh, connect here yeah. on the podcast. I was wondering, maybe we could start off with a little bit about your background before co-founding PowerTrade and and being the CEO of PowerTrade. What, what were you doing in your career previous to this?
1: Yeah, my my background, so I go back maybe 20 years ago. Um, I started with uh, in banking with uh, Merrill Lynch uh, based in Tokyo. I was the CTO for the fixed income business
0: mm.
1: at Merrill. Um, I was with them for about 10, 12 years. And then I moved to Credit Suisse where I was the CTO as well for the fixed income business for, for the Asia region. Up until 2012, 13, at that time, I got into crypto and I founded an exchange, one of the earliest exchanges in Japan. I was based in Japan at the time, uh, called Coin, which then became Liquid.com. I was with Liquid. I was a founder, CEO for some time. I was with Liquid for about six, five, six years, up until 2020. Um, then I left Liquid and I founded PowerTrade. Um, our focus, as you may or may not know, is crypto options. Uh, we spent the last two years, up until a few months ago, building the platform. Uh, and we officially started onboarding clients in July of this year. So that's very brief, you know, my
0: background. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Before jumping on to Powertrade, I I wonder if we could just dig into your background just a little bit more. So you were the CTO at Merrill in Credit Suisse on a fixed income desk. Now, obviously, fixed income has a lot of unique instruments. So did you build sort of build the the trading infrastructure for uh, connecting all the different fixed income products? Was that sort of the role?
1: That's correct. So I was CTO for Asia in charge of um, what... They call FIC, FICC, which basically stands for Fixed Income Currencies and Commodities uh, on the front office, which is all the trading systems, risk management, uh, and sales systems, all the
0: systems that the traders use for pricing, risk management, and so on. Yeah. That, that's super interesting. So, that's really the perfect background yes. for launching an exchange. So, you mentioned before Power Trade. You uh, created Coin, and, and it was called Liquid. Was that the second exchange?
1: Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So Coin was the name originally of the, yep. of, the of the exchange, and they later renamed to to Liquid. Um, I think four years later, uh, and by the way, Liquid was acquired by FTX earlier wow. this year.
0: Wow! So <laughs>
1: amazing. So yeah, but I actually left Liquid two years. I think yeah, back in
0: 2020, to start Power Trade. Yeah, And so Liquid, I imagine, was a was a, a spot exchange that didn't do any derivatives, or is that...
1: When we started back in 2014-13, it was originally a spot exchange. It was one of the first exchanges in the world, actually. It was right after the Mangok's collapsed. Mm. You might remember that. Yeah. Um, it was right around the time when we launched in Japan. Our focus was the Japanese market, because from my experience, the Japanese market has one of the biggest forex uh, uh trading communities and uh, in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So we wanted to, to tap into the traders in, in Japan uh with with the FX background. And that was quite, I would say it was quite successful at the time. So it was spot mainly and then in 2015 we introduced uh, kind of margin trading. It's not it was it wasn't really perpetual trading, but it was very similar mm-hmm. to, to that. It was uh basically trading on margin like CFDs kind of product. Uh, and again, we were like one of the first ones to do CFDs in the market, in the crypto markets. Uh, unfortunately, Liquid was really focused in Japan. It was not really well known, known outside the Japanese market. Uh, but at the highest point we were doing about uh, half a billion to three quarters of a billion dollars in trading daily. Wow. Over there. So it was like Japanese, Japanese yen Bitcoin uh, uh, currency kind of a pair. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that, that that's fascinating. Can we maybe just touch on that a little bit more? So obviously, Mt. Gox was in Japan as well. There's a there's a big trading community in Japan. The dollar yen is one of the biggest FX pairs. Yes. The JGB market right. is the second biggest in the world. So the yes. Japanese markets are very sophisticated. How is the crypto trading scene over there? Because Obviously, on the West, we don't we don't hear about it as much. I'm wondering if you have some insights.
1: It's really well developed. I mean, given the the um, you know the the amount of traders that there are, not just retail but also semi retailing professionals, uh, that's actually the main reason why we decided to focus on the Japanese market mm. to begin with uh, at Liquid and Coin at that time. Um, it, it was just natural for them to kind of move from trading forex to trading bitcoin versus jpy or mm-hmm. usd uh so it was it, it, we gained traction very early very early days our main competitor bitflyer you may have mm-hmm. heard of bitflyer before it was just bitflyer and us at that time uh so we we yeah, we, we took over the market uh liquid uh coin was probably like no, number one or number two exchange uh you know, around 2015, 16, we got a license from the Japanese FSA as well. So we're licensed uh regulated exchange over there, wow. which wasn't it, it wasn't easy to to get that. It took like, it took about a year, a couple of years to get that and a lot of resources to do that. Yeah.
0: So so actually one of the things that was really interesting, I know Sam bankman Fried has said that there was an arbitrage between sort of Asia markets and, and Western markets. And Maybe we could touch on just kind of the infrastructure of building an exchange in crypto. How is that different from traditional finance? And you know, since you ran an exchange, is there was there ever like price discrepancies that you've noticed between American exchanges or North American exchanges versus uh, the Japanese spot markets?
1: Yes, I remember that there was quite a uh, there was quite a big difference. I would say about a thousand dollars at some point. Uh, quite significant, uh, that if you knew how to take advantage of it, Mm. of course you could make a lot of money. But I do remember that quite clearly uh, at that time. And it was interesting to see that um, uh, as a foreigner living in Japan as well. Um, And uh, for some reason, the Japanese traders would just push the price up, uh, even though they knew that the price was lower outside Japan. And that obviously created a lot of flow and opportunities mm-hmm. and volumes uh, for uh, for the exchanges at the time. In terms of you know the infrastructure, you know the components, the building blocks for an exchange for crypto and DeFi are pretty much the same. Um, you know, there's a matching engine, there's a risk components, there's a margin
0: mm-hmm.
1: mar- margin management components. But the, only, the the one difference I would say is that. In crypto, which is I think is a big maybe a big problem, and the reason why we are where we are with FTX and others is that in crypto you have exchanges custodying the funds as well,
0: yeah, which right. normally
1: you don't see that in, in 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 Trifi, right? So that would be one of the biggest differences, uh, which can be quite strange if you come from a from the Trifi world, right? That, that's fascinating.
0: And then, yeah. so n- when you started creating uh, PowerTrade, so obviously now you've created a uh, crypto options exchange. Now, what sort of inspired the move from spot and margin to an options market? Obviously, I love the options market. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. But what was sort of your inspiration?
1: Yeah, so seeing what, you know, coming from where I came from in Trevify, right, and seeing the trajectory of crypto starting with spot markets in 2013-14 and moving to margin, perpetuals, futures. I thought it was a natural kind of progression that we would see options eventually. Mm-hmm. When we started Power Trade back in 2020, the options market was very small. The crypto options market, that is, was really small. I think it was about 0.25% of the whole crypto market. Um, and I believe at the time there's a huge opportunity, even now I believe still believe there's a huge huge opportunity because if you look at the equities and, and Forex and non-crypto markets and within finance, it is the complete opposite. You know, options markets are usually eight times, maybe ten times, or even twenty times the size of the underlying markets, mm-hmm. like futures and spot. So if we I I you know we can we can safely assume that probably Crypto will take the same path and eventually that 0.25% will become bigger. I think now it's more like 10 times bigger than it was two years ago, but it's still 2.5%. So I see, so there's a huge amount of growth coming up in the future. So we want to be able to be in a position to capture that growth. And that's one, that's probably the main reason why we, you know, decided to build power trade and focus on crypto options.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And then when I look at yeah. other exchanges such as Derbit, they have basically future options and or coin margin. Now, does PowerTrade yes. have the same sort of setup, or uh, is it is it different?
1: No, we we have the same, right? So we we have the whole range of markets within PowerTrade. Um, it's just that our focus has always been uh, options, but we do have uh, perpetuals. We have futures. We have a spot markets, uh, and the reason why we need that is if you're, a, if you're an options trader, in particular if you're an institutional options trader, you want to have access to futures markets in order to uh, hedge or mm-hmm. in order to do more sophisticated trading strategies across. So um, and on top of that, we provide uh, portfolio margin, which is not really uh, – you can't easily find it in other exchanges, uh, it is not really easy to implement. So there's portfolio margin. There's multilateral, which means you can put it in Bitcoin, ETH, or USDC, and you can trade any market you want with that. And our options are USD cash settled, mm. right, as opposed to uh, in deribit, where you they're actually settled in the underlying asset, ETH or BTC, which that can cause some issues, right?
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And and now, do you offer yeah. markets on? Bitcoin and ETH only or is there some altcoins that you also offer?
1: We we, all, we started with Bitcoin and ETH but we've seen a lot of interest recently uh from institutional clients that want to trade uh non, you know, like some of the altcoins like yeah. uh, XRP or or even BNB or you know, options, right? So we're looking into introducing um uh, altcoin options sometime in Q1 next year.
0: Fantastic. And now I know a lot of uh, OTC desks such as Genesis Trading or Galaxy Digital or GSR, they provide markets OTC and then they go on screens on exchanges to sort of uh, lay off risk. Are you guys seeing that type of adoption as well? And, uh, and are you planning to integrate with uh, like Paradigm or any block trading uh, uh, partners? We
1: we do have a block trading facility, which mm-hmm. is RFQ, where you can come in and you can build your own structure. You can build like a straddle, strangles, iron condors in one go, and you can trade them as a block. Um, uh, the way it works is you come in, you basically build a structure. And we have a market maker on the back that will put the entire structure for you. Uh, we we have uh, deep liquidity in these market, markets in our key markets right now as well as uh, pretty good pricing which is quite competitive with Paradigm and Deribit so there's no there's really no need for us to to integrate with Deribit or Paradigm because we have the same the same features available and probably better liquidity and pricing that the they can offer right now plus we have the whole exchange behind it we have as I said we have the multilateral uh, USD cash settle, which they don't really have. So we came in, and when we started, we looked at the existing players, mainly Derivate at that time, and we looked at the challenges and the the gaps that they had, and, and we tried to come in and, and improve the offering uh, via power trade.
0: Very cool. And now you yeah. you are located in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh. Are you noticing a lot of sort of your market makers and your market participants coming from the Asia markets, or do you have adoptions from European markets and and sort of all over the world? We, we, we
1: see them coming from everywhere, Mm. uh, not just Asia, but Europe and other markets as well. Um, Yeah, they're, they're they're from everywhere. Our focus, I don't know if I mentioned, but our focus since July has been on institutional clients Mm. And we're seeing it's pretty interesting because after the FTX uh, collapse that we saw a few weeks ago, we're seeing an uptick in terms of interest uh, in our offering right now. And the main reason is that we just we just integrated with Copper Clearloop. Okay. Uh, So Copper Clearloop allows uh, our clients to to have an additional level of counterparty risk mitigation on their Mm -hmm. side because we don't custody. The funds in that case, they place the funds with copper, clear loop. Uh, we don't have access to the funds, and that's the way we want it. And there's a there's a process whereby we settle with them every hour in our case, right? So it's, from a counterparty risk perspective, a lot of the clients that we're talking to are looking for that level of um, peace of mind, I guess, and security when it comes to the funds. And, and as an exchange, uh, and personally as well, we don't really want to be responsible for custodying user funds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We rather
1: work with um, the likes of Copper and Clearloop so they can custody their funds. They're, they're regulated in Europe. Uh, they have a significant amount of processes in place, security, and so on. So they, they take care of what they can do best. And we can focus on uh, trading, matching, and, and, and some of the other risk management and management and that. Multiple closer and that kind of things,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And talking yeah. about integrations, now obviously the DeFi options market is sort of this very young space, but I imagine at some point DeFi and CeFi might have some sort of integrations. Is that something that you guys have your eye on and and do you partner with some DeFi protocols as well?
1: We, we have a couple of partnerships in the works right now with some of them, but it's more... <clears throat> It's not really on the DEX kind of side. It's more on the, you know, they have these vaults and people stake their altcoins or ETH, uh, and they want to hedge the risk. So in order to do that, we're offering services for them to, for example, they can buy puts on our exchange. Uh, we offer, you know, attractive incentives for them in terms of fees for volume. But they can use, we're, we're working on a couple of partnerships that will allow, this kind of um, vaults to come in and, and hedge their risk. So you can keep your ETH there as long as you want. You can earn some interest on it. And at the same time, you come into power trade and you hedge any downside uh, price risk via put options, in this case, or or put spreads, spread, so that kind of things. Very,
0: yeah. very cool.
1: And obviously... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So we, on the other hand, we also have... Um, we're looking at... Uh, potentially decentralizing some of the services that we have. But uh, when it comes to trade matching and risk management, in particular with options, you do need uh, a certain level of technology Mm -hmm. uh, availability to do that in terms of latency and that kind of things, which is not really available on the current uh, ETH or Ethereum or any other protocols. So we're looking at at a hybrid model whereby... Not for institutions, but more for pro retail kind of clients and and more retail, where you can keep keep control of over your funds, Mm. but at the same time have access to the features that we offer.
0: Oh, that's nice. So we
1: have kind of like a a hybrid model to do that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's fantastic. I really could see that sort of this that type of integration being the standard going forward. That's that's really fascinating. So. So you get
1: the best of both worlds in that case, right? You get the best of both worlds in the sense that you get to keep your your own funds, right? Control over them. And you see that there, right? And at the same time, you get the best of the C, uh, the centralized finance mm-hmm. kind of matching engines and speed and all the all the features that we offer, which is not really easy to, to implement on, on DEX at this point in time.
0: Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Speaking yeah. of matching engines and, and sort of risk engines, so obviously with spot markets, it's a little bit easier to manage or calculate sort of risk and liquidation. Now with options, you sort of have to have your internal surface and marks in case the market's very illiquid. How, how do you guys uh, devise sort of your own surface? Is that something that you guys build in-house or did you hire a third party? How how does that work? We started
1: with uh, third parties last year, but we eventually moved it in-house. It is a very key component of the exchange uh, to have, and that kind of drove the decision to to uh, move it in-house uh, early this year. Um, but yeah, we do have everything like under our, under our control, and we have the source code and everything. Uh, that's one reason why it actually took us 2 years to uh, to build everything that we mm. needed to build because the options product is not really a straightforward product when it comes to risk management mm-hmm. pricing as you said uh, and on top of that we have multilateral to deal with which means you can actually you can actually open a position on a on the BTC option by having only eth in your account right so you need to take into account all these different things and yeah so that you know Means that you have to spend a lot of time investing on building the platform, making sure it works and it runs properly. So it wasn't really an easy, straightforward kind of uh, build out.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that totally makes sense. So, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Amber Data Derivatives. A lot of our customers are market makers. So, if someone wants to make markets on Power Trade, you know, what are some uh, just some high level uh, considerations? Um, Is there like a minimum? amount of capital that they have to do? Is there minimum amount of quoting? How how does that process work? And is there sort of an incentive for someone to make markets on Power Trade?
1: Yeah, we there's no minimum amount of capital that we require. We can offer attractive incentives in mm. terms of fees. Um, we could also we can also offer uh, we have a token. We have an exchange token as well. I know I know exchange tokens are not very popular right now, mm. but we we have it. We also offer incentives and in terms of uh, our own token, uh, uh, low fees, uh, com- very competitive fees. Um, we also have, I mean, we're quite flexible in terms of integration. They can use FIX the fixed protocol, mm. or they can use WebSockets, sockets, uh, or they can use uh, REST API that we have. So we have three or four different kinds of APIs. We have colocation as well within our data centers um, in Singapore. Um, yeah, and we, we also, with the market makers that we've been working since July, not just market makers, but other um, high-frequency traders, we were able to provide some of our resources internally, engineering resources, developers, to help them um, move faster in terms of developing and integrating with us. So we give package code um, to our clients. they can just run it and go back cool. to the pricing models. And it's just it's worked out really well so far.
0: Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. And then, yeah. so you mentioned that PowerTrade has a token, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm remembering this wrong, but I think technically PowerTrade is a DAO, and Delphi Digital kind of helped create the tokenomics incentive. Is, is that right? Delphi was our lead yeah, that's, investor. That's
1: right. So the, the the idea originally was to have a DAO in the middle that will manage the token incentives and utility and the insurance fund for the exchange. So as you know, Exchange of insurance funds mm-hmm. that are there in case of um, a major market event that results in bankruptcy in the accounts in some accounts, right? So the the DAO that we originally planned to do originally was to uh, manage the insurance fund, and the way it would work is that uh, a percent, a certain percentage of the trading fees from the exchange will go to the DAO mm. every every month, every quarter, whenever, every day. Um, and we would do a, 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 a var analysis of, you know, the value at risk within the exchange, and determining how much we needed to keep in the insurance fund, right? And any excess above the that amount that we need to keep there, that excess was going to be distributed to um, PTF. Uh, the, the token name is PTF. Mm-hmm. PTF stakeholders, right? As, as a yield kind of in USDC, right? So. Because we've been quite busy with the build-out of the exchange, we really haven't had uh, the resources to focus on the DAO. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: But it is something that we actually built it. Um, We got it very close to production quality, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, But we're looking at alternatives. Uh, One alternative that we're looking at right now is that instead of a DAO, you just deposit uh, PTF on our exchange for power trade, and you automatically get yelled in U.S.E.C. Oh, cool. Based on the trading fees that the exchange is generating on a daily basis. So that's a little bit more, uh, you know, it's, it's quicker for us to do that than actually going the Dow direction, mm-hmm. and that will give us a bit more time to get the Dow properly
0: uh, coded and, and tested and production quality. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And then just yeah. kind of a couple more questions here as we wrap up. How can someone learn more about Power Trade? And you know, do you guys have a Twitter? Do you guys have a a blog as well as your your uh, website? Where where can someone find more information? And we'll link it. In yeah, the show I mean, notes.
1: you you can all you, you can. We have a Twitter, uh, Power Trade HQ at Power Trade HQ is our Twitter. Um, a website, obviously, Power.trade. Trade. Um, is a website where you can contact uh, myself uh, or uh, our head of sales, Bernd. Um, and we, we're more than happy to to give you more information,
0: even do a call and help you on board on the platform, uh, answer any questions you might have. Yeah. Fantastic. And then for anyone listening, we'll also have the links in the notes. And then, so lastly, Mario, I always like to finish up uh, episodes like this. Um, you know, when you're not building power trade and working as CTO, what do you like to do for fun outside of work if you find the time?
1: I just I just spend a lot of time in the gym, right? Um my early mornings uh, lifting weights or swimming sometimes. And I I enjoy play, playing playing uh, Halo, you
0: know, <laughs> that's the awesome. Xbox
1: yeah. game. I don't know Halo, but that's one of my favorite games. Classic. So <laughs> been playing halo since 2001 i guess oh yeah that's the best
0: (laughs) i love it oh very cool i used to play halo one all the time well oh yeah mario thank you so much for coming on the podcast i think it's going to be really interesting listeners will learn a lot and everyone who tuned in thank you and we'll see you next time thank you